Toronto, Canada. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler, hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Carlos Kajina is the technical producer. Ryan White is the live stream producer. Canadian constitutional lawyer Rocco Galati is here for the full two hours. Mr. Galati filed a 191-page lawsuit back in July against multiple levels of government here in Canada over their response to the coronavirus pandemic. The lawsuit seeks several official declarations from the courts that pandemic measures are neither scientific nor medically based, that they are extreme, irrational, and unwarranted, and that they breach multiple sections of our Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Before we get to that, just take a moment to log on to strangeplanet.ca. Register for Inner Sanctum, my free monthly newsletter, strangeplanet.ca. That's your portal to this radio program, The Conspiracy Show, the YouTube channel, my podcast, Conspiracy Unlimited, The Strange Planet Merch Shop, and more, strangeplanet.ca. And while you're there, under tonight's show information, you'll see a link where you can click and you'll see the PDF of the claim of notice in the Ontario Superior Court. And we'll uh, be discussing that, as I say, for the next full two hours. There are very few politicians willing to speak out against the pandemic lockdown here in Canada. Some doctors have spoken out, but you've seen what's happened to them. They've been ostracized, ridiculed, their opinions suppressed by the mainstream media. Where are the various civil liberty organizations across the country in all this? There is an attorney, however, who is standing up against what many of us feel is an overreach on the part of the federal, provincial, and municipal governments. Rocco Galati is a constitutional lawyer and founder of the Constitutional Rights Center, Inc., Galati graduated from McGill University in 1984 with a Bachelor of Arts and then graduated from Osgood Hall Law School in 1987. In 2011, Mr. Galati brought a case against the Canadian government to restore the Bank of Canada as a lender to the government. The case was brought on behalf of the Committee on Monetary and Economic Reform. They argued that the Bank of Canada is mandated to provide debt-free financing for public projects undertaken by federal, provincial, and muni- municipal governments. Uh, we spoke to him at that time, and now here we have Rocco Galati back on the program again. Rocco, welcome. How are you? I'm okay. How are you, Richard? Thanks for having so, me on. My pleasure. First, let's get to some very basic questions here. Just explain what the notice of claim is in this case. What is the notice? Well, the statement of claim, as you mentioned, is 191 pages. Basically, in a nutshell, It seeks, as you say, declaratory relief against the federal, provincial, and municipal government uh, in Toronto. And that, first of all, that Prime Minister Trudeau and Premier Ford have effectively dispensed with Parliament and and are ruling under the pretense of royal prerogative, something that was abolished after the English Civil War in 1688. So what they're doing is they're acting as if they were King Charles by basically... Uh, having a round table of an inner circle and uh, dishing out the law, as it were. That that kind of executive order and mandate has now been declared unconstitutional in Romania, 
in 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 Austria and in four U.S. states. But that really would beg the question on the COVID measures. So we are actually also seeking uh, declarations from the court that the measures are neither scientific nor medically based, that they're extreme, unwarranted, and overreach, and that they breach our sections 2, 7, 8, 9, and 15 charter rights, that is, right to freedom of conscience, belief, association, assembly, the very uh, breach of the right to life, liberty, and security of the person, uh, the right against unreasonable search and seizure, mainly seizure of the, the arbitrary, illogical, and insane ways that they have decided what businesses are going to close and what businesses stay open, the right against arbitrary detention by stopping people and searching and seizing private information they have no right to, and Section 15, Charter Breach, which is the equality provision in our Constitution, and that mostly affects the disabled, both physically and neurologically, and especially children with special needs, and, of course, the elderly, who uh, three groups in particular are bearing the brunt of this vicious, what I say without batting an eye, nor apology, is a global crime against humanity. Uh, The poor, the disabled, as I said, both physically and neurologically, especially children with special needs, and the elderly, who constitute 82% of all the deaths purportedly attributed to COVID have been uh, the elderly in these long-term care facilities. When these reptilian politicians basically put in these laws, they did so without any regard whatsoever as to how the half a million neurologically and physically disabled children of this province, for instance, in Ontario, are going to negotiate social distancing, isolation, masking. How does it, you know, one of the plaintiffs in my, in our statement of claim is a 24-year-old severely autistic man who's about six foot two, who has the, who has the uh, intellectual capacity of a four-year-old. How does he understand isolation, social distancing, and lockdown? How does he understand that he can't go rock climbing or playing in the park with his friends as he did? See, the government took no regard to, to accommodating these types of victims, as with the poor. You know, uh, initially the World Food Bank said that as many as 130 million people could be on the brink of starvation by December, by next month worldwide, and now they've upped that estimate to 10% of the population. Well, 10% of the population globally is 700 million people. Now, we know since June that 10,000 additional children a month have been starving to death from the COVID measures. When you do the actual numbers, Richard, and we've crunched the numbers uh, not to to a scalpel level, but, you know, for every person who they say has died of the COVID virus, we estimate 12 to 14 have died from the measures themselves. I want to circle back, uh, Rocco, to some of these points, but I just want to get to some other basic questions regarding the actual statement of claim. Right. Uh, who are the, specifically, who are the defendants named? 
The defendants are Justin Trudeau, Doug Ford, John Tory, Teresa Tam, the federal health uh, uh, chief official, Williams, uh, the education minister in, in Ontario, the health minister in Ontario, the uh, Dr. Davila, the municipal uh, health uh, officer, and all and any John and Jane, those who are assisting in this travesty, who have direct input into the decisions that are made. All right, and the plaintiffs. I see on the uh, on the, uh, the the statement of claim, the plaintiffs uh, are Vaccine Choice Canada. Is that right? Yeah, there's there's eight plaintiffs. There's Vaccine Choice Canada, and eight individual plaintiffs. Seven of those plaintiffs have had their name redacted in the statement of claim that they have posted on the Vaccine Choice Canada website. One person, and that's because of the vile, nasty messages and threats uh, these plaintiffs uh, would like to avoid. The other one who, who's got a thicker skin, Dr. Denny Rancourt, who is a leading expert on masking and who wrote a paper in April of this year uh, entitled Masks Don't Work, wherein he canvassed the entire scientific uh, literature on masking. By scientific, I mean random controlled studies, which are the only recognizable studies that are peer-reviewed, and not anecdotal or observational studies. All the studies that are random controlled studies have concluded over the last two and a half decades that masks do not keep out an airborne virus. And in fact, all the studies also indicate the masks cause grave physical and psychological harm, especially to children. Uh, what damages so are being... Is also a plaintiff in this. Okay. Yes, I see his name. It was not redacted. Um, what damages are being sought? Well, from the government, we are not. We haven't sought damages because uh, there's a new law that was conveniently put in last fall by the government of Ontario that if you seek damages, monetary damages from the government or government actors, you have to first get the permission of the court, uh, what we call a leave application, which can, in itself can take a year to a year and a half. So the only damages that have been sought are against the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, CBC, for $11 million. Uh, they're not a government actor, but we, we, we plead that because they're a state-funded broadcasting agency that is broadcasting under a statutory national mandate, they have a duty, both in negligence and in fiduciary duty to Canadians, to fairly, objectively, and impartially report the news. We plead in the statement of claim, quote, that the CBC has been to the Trudeau government what Pravda was to the Soviet Union during the Cold War. They have been absolutely and unmitigatedly depraved in their censorship of any view, in their failure to interview anyone who's with expertise who is critical of the COVID measures. And, you know, it's not restricted to CBC. All the other media... Uh, uh, are executing the same offense. The, the thing is, with the private media, uh, it's, it's, it's more problematic establishing a duty of care to the public. 
and the, of course the worst of the media who are absolutely fascist, forthright about censorship is the social media, YouTube, uh, uh, YouTube, Google, Facebook, Amazon. They, are, they have been absolutely criminal in their taking down of people who are Nobel Prize winners, em, you know, eminent experts in their field around the world, of them freezing the Great Clarington Declaration from people signing on to it by three leading experts in the world in their field. It's, absolute, it's absolutely incredible. You could not script this 20 years ago. Have, the, uh, ha- have any of the defendants filed an answer? Nation report. Have any of the, the defendants filed an answer, Rocco? Well, the timelines were frozen in Ontario between March 17th and September 14th, so their time for responding, which in, in these cases normally it's 20 days, but in these types of cases uh, it's routinely 45 to 60 days, so the time is coming up towards the end of November. They have come on board. I know the lawyers are on the other side, but they have not yet responded. And um, how is this case being funded, may I ask? Well, it's being uh, usually, you know, usually you can't ask, but it's being funded by uh, a combination of the, uh, the, the plaintiffs and uh, fundraising. Through fundraising, okay. Now, let me ask you about the, uh, the emergency powers, uh, the, the Emergency Management and Civil Protection Act. Right. Uh, does that not override... Any you know any of these complaints basically that they have they have granted the themselves the Emergency Management and Civil Protection Act powers? Well, two things to say to that, Richard. First of all, we seek a declaration from the court. the the prere- The prerequisite conditions under that act were not met to invoke it at all. Uh, there's preconditions you have to show. You have to show a viable emergency that's outside the norm. And I, won't, I won't bore the audience with the, all the conditions that you have to show, but we say they were not met on the scientific and med- medical evidence. So in these types of cases, you know, you give a government the benefit of the doubt for the first month or two. And if you recall, the thing is, oh, we need these powers to flatten the curve two weeks, right? And right. uh, now it's turned into a, milita- a dictatorship and not just in Canada, but especially in places like Australia and New Zealand. And they float around the same measures around the world. So certainly at this point, that act is not met, not on any of the evidence. I mean, look, they talk about there's a pornography publication every day of cases. Let's break down what those cases come down to. First of all, they have not isolated the virus. We've done freedom of information requests of uh, more than seven countries, including Canada, and they consistently come back saying that the 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 SAR-CoV-2 virus has not yet been isolated or registered anywhere. Number one, the test the tests that are being conducted are so-called PCR tests, uh, which the inventor, a Nobel Prize winner, made it very clear during the HIV. Uh, uh, outbreak that his machine, his invention does not does not test for viruses. What that thing tests for is uh, RNA strands, and they try to piece together a sequence. So, for instance, if you had the flu shot last year, you will test positive under that test. 
What that machine does is amplify to a certain measure to get a glimpse of what they're look, what they can see. Typically, they test at 18 to 20 cycles. The cycles are not augmentative. The cycles are exponential. So Ontario is testing at 43 to 45 cycles. So at 43 to 45 cycles, virtually anyone you test is going to test positive. And this was confirmed by Fauci uh, consistently, who said, you know, once you get past 30 cycles, the tests are meaningless. They're all going to be false positive. Right. So it seems to me there are a number of things going on uh, with that test. Number one, you have false positives, and I've heard anywhere from 50 to 90 percent on the false positives. And then you have um, if someone has had the virus and their their T cells or their immune system has destroyed the virus, the test the test will pick up the the remnants of that destroyed virus. Right. And then there is the viral load, which you were talking about, how it amplifies. So you would need. I, I don't know the numbers, but you would need millions of these viruses in your body in order to be symptomatic. Right. So even if you have very few, if you have a very low viral load, you're still going to test positive. Right. Is that correct? Yes. And so so the real ratio, uh, the real indicator of whether or not we have a pandemic is is even if you take them at their word, is not the cases but the deaths vis-a-vis population. So, you know, the way they determine a COVID death, again, again, our our health uh, officials have said is anywhere from 53 to 65%, uh, sorry, 54 to 63% inaccurate because if you get hit by a truck and are wheeled in bleeding to death in a hospital and they test you, which they do, and you test positive for COVID, you're listed as a COVID death. If you're dying of cancer in your last days in palliative care and you've got COVID, you're listed as a COVID death. But let's take their numbers of face value at, 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 on their best scenario. And so the last time I looked in Canada, I guess three or four weeks ago, you had, you had 9,900 deaths in Canada. Well, on a population of 37 million, that is less than one quarter of 1%. It's 0.0024%. So w- less than one quarter of 1%. That is not a pandemic. What that is is a normal flu season for the last 15 years. The other thing that's insane about the, this script that they're playing out is they're, gonna, they're telling us on a schedule where this virus is going to be in 2021, 2022, 2025, I've never, first of all, I've never seen a virus hang around that long, and secondly, I never, I've never seen a virus act in accordance with the government's schedule. True enough, true enough. I just wanted to, we're, we're coming up on a break here. Um, I just want to clarify something regarding whether or not SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19, has been isolated or not, because there's some conflicting information there uh sunnybrook i think back in march sunnybrook mcmaster you have team, yeah, a was, team there was one in they the, said that yeah but if you read the article what they they spotted were a purported theoretic theoretic rna strands from a corona nobody's actually isolated the virus the title of the paper said virus isolated but when you read the paper you you realize very quickly the virus was not isolated so that's more bunk 
Okay, so what does that mean then? When they, if if we can say that the virus has not been isolated, what are we what are we actually saying then? Well, in order to isolate a virus, you have to do three things historically, and you know, first you have to isolate it. Secondly, you have to purify it, and thirdly, to make sure you got the right one, you got the same thing, you got to reproduce it, replicate it, and then you take it and you inject it into animal animals to test to see if it actually makes them sick the, the way that you think the virus actually makes humans sick. And that's why they have animal trials when they're trying to develop a vaccine for a virus. Those are the steps they take. The average virus, uh, the average vaccine takes, uh, what is it, 16, uh, 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 12 to 15 years to develop. The quickest vaccine ever developed in the history of medicine was the measles, which took about four years. So now they're getting a virus out here in months. What kind of a virus, a vac- what kind of a vaccine they're putting out in months? They've, by- they've bypassed uh, animal testing because too many of the animals are dying. And, and it, we, we know in at least three of the human testing, people died and they had to stop it. In Ukraine, soldiers died. In Korea last week, 40 people died. And they claim, oh, it's not from the vaccine. Well, then what's it from? That was a flu vaccine, was it not? Yeah, well, they're going along, yeah. Well, what do you think? Okay. What do you think this virus is? It's just an All right, flu virus. Rocco, got to take a time out. Stay put. We'll be back in a moment. Rocco Galati stays with us. Back with more on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Rocco Galati is here. He will be with us for the entire show. We will open up the phone lines in the second hour if you have questions or comments, and I'm sure you do. Here in Ontario, of course, we have uh, three COVID-19 hotspots that have reverted to a, a modified stage two. So the businesses that are being hurt now, restaurants and indoor gyms and sporting uh, associations and so forth, like let's talk about the restaurants have they approached you? Do they want in on this action as well? Well, a lot of individual businesses approach me, but the problem is people people are scattered and people, you can't really do individual cases of this magnitude. People have to group together. Talking about businesses, Richard, you know, people are afraid and surviving is the strongest instinct we have. And what drives a threat of survival is fear, generally. And Fear will convince your population to do just about anything. I'd like to quote Dr. Sherry Tenpenny from Ohio, who tweeted uh, a few weeks ago and said, for all of those of you who wondered how you would have reacted under the Nazi regime, now you have your answer. Because I ask people not to try to parse the science and the medicine or the law if they have a hard time with that. I ask them to apply what gets most people through life and their success and how they raise a family. Just apply your common sense to the politics and the policy that's been applied by the governments. So six months ago, WHO, Theresa Tam, everybody was saying, no, no, masks are actually dangerous. They don't do anything for the virus, which is true. Now we've got a total reversal. We've got Theresa Tam saying, You have to wear a mask when you have sex, or better yet, masturbate till 2022. You know, if people can't wake up when a a health officer is talking that kind of insanity and switching 
inconsistent positions over the course of weeks, virtually on everything. The businesses, okay, so why are the businesses being closed? To prevent the spreading of the virus through social distancing. So let me get this straight. Your ma and pa shop gets closed down everywhere, yet the busy Walmarts in the busy malls sell everything that the ma and pa shop can't sell. Now, where is it easier to socially distance, at Walmart or Costco or any of the other corporate conglomerates or the ma and pa shop? I can't get shoes for my growing children, but I can get all the booze I want because that's an essential service. Does that make sense to you? It may if you're an there's, alcoholic. <laughs> right. No, there's very little uh, that, <laughs> that, that, that makes sense. if you realize the liquor stores are owned by the government and the government doesn't want to lose its revenue. It's got nothing to do about health and social distancing and transmitting the virus. All the major corporate criminals have doubled their net worth, literally doubled their net worth in seven months. This agenda has been shutting down independent businesses while the big corporate conglomerates double their net worth. We are virtualizing the world. So we have Bill Gates and his Gavi who want to vaccinate 7 billion people. So if you vaccinate 7 billion people, that's 700 and about 70 billion per shot. So he wants four vaccines on the COVID. That would be $3 trillion. Because now they're telling you, oh, these vaccines are lose their potency now after four months. Three months, four months. Right. Well, three trillion dollars, Richard. The U.S. budget is between four and a half and five trillion. If they dished out all the vaccines they want to dish out in a year on various things, that's 96 trillion dollars. That's five times the U.S. national debt. We are talking about a transfer of wealth, not just through the vaccination program, but through the virtualization of our economy. So now we have Google Classrooms, we got Zoom courtrooms, everybody's working from home. All this shit feeds into the IT industry. It's all the same people. Do you think that's what this is really all about, Mr. Well, Galati, that this well, is yeah, a, well, a, a reset, there. that the I, COVID is being used as cover? I, I as mean, cover. It, the, Listen, I'm not saying it. Go read the World Economic Foundation uh, reports. Davos, Switzerland, right. Yeah, go read all of that. I'm not making it up. I'm reading it, and I'm putting it into my statement of claim for my clients. So everything we predicted in July, filed July 6th, you can't lie when it was filed, uh, at the time was being touted as conspiracy theory. Now it's understated old news, okay? They're not even making any pretense about it. They're saying it outright. The whole compulsory testing is about collecting and storing DNA. How do we know that? In England and other jurisdictions now, they've passed a law that when you get compulsory tested and it's going door to door by soldiers, they retain your fingerprints and your DNA under the guise of national security. What the hell does a virus have to do with your fingerprints? Excellent questions, all. Law. Let me ask you. Passed that law. New Zealand passed that law. It's coming to you soon, too. Let me ask you why we are not seeing other um, groups or individuals joining this fight. So, for example, the Ontario Civil Liberties Association. Where are they? Where is the OCLA in all this? Well, I'll, I'll tell you that, that that's a good question. You you see, you see also. Uh, you know, around the world, uh, 
hundreds of thousands, literally hundreds of thousands of medical experts and doctors are balking. So in Holland, they've called for an inquiry into what they have labeled publicly as a fraudulent pandemic. In, 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 uh, in Belgium, the nurses and doctors have sued the government for what they say is not a pandemic but a normal flu. The nurses, 77,000 nurses have gone to court to say, we're not taking vaccines. If you want us to work, we're not taking vaccines. If we have to take vaccines, we're not working as nurses. You've got the, uh, the, 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 the white brigade out there in the States, all these doctors who are being shut down and censored. You've got the great Clarington Declaration, on and on and on. You've got the, the, the doctors in Spain. You've got the doctors in Oklahoma suing the state government over these, what they call, bogus measures. I mean, at what point does the, 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 the defecating in your diaper and the, uh, and the mantra of conspiracy theory really have to take a, a back seat to saying, well, do we need to answer this avalanche of world expertise? Can all these world experts be conspiracy theorists? This is ridiculous. And uh, one of the, one of the people I've been following. Sorry, Rocco. Uh, I just I wanted to ask you. We're coming up on a break here. I wanted to ask you. Uh, one of the people I've been following on Twitter is Dr. Culvinder Cower uh, from Concerned Ontario Doctors, and she's been very vocal about this. Uh, her, her tweets have been absolutely um, magnificent, as far as I'm concerned. Have you been in touch with her or her group? I, I can't speak about her case because I actually represent her. Ah, okay. Okay. All right. Well, so I've, I've, I've come on board as her legal counsel. And that's right, right? That's right. Everything she says was backed up by world experts. She didn't say anything that she didn't base on world experts and the, uh, uh, peer-reviewed studies. And so all she was doing was asking questions, Richard. And she was, she was hounded, and, and they're trying to scapegoat her, and they're not going to get away with it. You, I, I, you can be sure of that. They're not going to get away with it. I hope you're right. I'm I I representing a doctor, Stephen Malthouse, out in B.C., who, who wrote a, 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 a letter to Bonnie Hendry asking questions, and now they're hauling him in front of the college for just asking questions. It's 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 scary. I've I've never seen anything like it. Let me uh yeah you have let me take a time. McCarthyism, witch hunt, Catholic. Ah, well, that was before my time. Okay, <laughs> a little before my time. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll take a quick time out. Come back and uh, continue to discuss the uh, the notice of claim against various levels of government here in Canada for their uh, response to the COVID pandemic. Attorney Rocco Galatis stays with us. Hope you'll join us as well. Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Rocco Galati stays with us. Uh, Rocco, I just want to clarify your, your position on the virus itself. Um, I mean, we can talk about the, you know, the, the overreach on the part of uh, governments and their response to it. But are you suggesting that the, the virus or what are you t- suggesting about the virus itself? Is it real? Is it is it? Uh, is it a fraud? What are your thoughts? Well, I can't have a thought of that until they isolate it. 
I have no clue. It's likely a, a seasonal flu virus, but I don't have the expertise, and the experts haven't figured it out. So, but hold on to that thought, right? But everybody imposing these militaristic, fascistic laws pretends they have figured it out, right? And right. We're talking so, about numbers and cases, and yet Trudeau and Ford absolutely refuse to disclose the nature of the medical advice they're getting and from whom. Now, how does that wash in a transparent a constitutional democracy? And the reason they don't want to reveal who's giving them advice and what advice is that we have a deep, deep ocean of world experts who would look at that and give us a response. Right? They're making right. the rabbit perpetually disappear in the hat. I mean, is that a Are democracy? You... you shut down parliament and you say, this is our advice and here's the... Here's the uh, Here's the uh, uh, actions we're taking, and we don't care who says otherwise, including the WHO and the CDC, who they claim to be following. The WHO has been very clear. Lockdowns are a disaster. They're not working. So why do we insist on more vicious lockdowns? Not only is it irrational, they're urinating in the face of the citizens. Are you surprised, disappointed with the the opposition parties, not only in this province, but uh, across Canada? Uh, For example, federally, the Conservative Party seems to be, uh, you know, very intent on on investigating the whole We Charity scandal. But we don't see uh, Aaron O'Toole and the Conservatives at the federal level really pushing back against uh, this. In in fact, if anything, they seem to be on on side. Aaron O'Toole, the new leader of the Conservative Party, was saying we need to go into – you know, uh, war preparedness uh, with with this. Uh, you know, I don't I don't think he would be handling this virus or this supposed pandemic any differently. What do you What do you think about the way that the opposition parties, mind you, there have been a couple of uh, independent MPPs here in Ontario, Belinda Carahalios and uh, Randy Hillier, well, who have in, been. I think there are four now who have bought. They they weren't independents. They are Ford's own MPPs. That's true, until they were kicked out, yes. Yeah, kicked out for what? For asking questions? You know? It would appear so. Yeah. I mean, so there is no opposition, but there, there never really has been. You know, our political system are, are, is like an intramural, an intramural high school football, football league. It's blue, red, and orange. Show me the, the policy or even philosophical differences between these three parties. All right? And quite frankly, what happens, a great, great, great Canadian politician, uh, an ex-client of mine, the Honorable Paul Hellyer, who's still alive, once told me that the problem with MPs is most of them don't know what they're talking about. And to show their ignorance, they just go along with the pact. Are they equipped? You think Doug Ford is equipped to deal with this pandemic? Do you think he has? It would appear not. It would appear not. Or Justin Trudeau have the intellectual acumen to actually assess and process the science and the medicine, or even the law on this? No. So they walk around in their suits pretending they know it all because they're not listening to anything or anybody. They're serving other masters. They're not serving Canadian Ontario or Canadian citizens. They're serving other masters and other agendas. 
I want to I want to ask you about uh, something that's been distributed widely. This was seen on the government of Canada's own procurement website, which is buyandsell.gc.ca, uh, and it would appear based on that document uh, or that website, buyandsell.gc.ca, that the feds are seeking third-party service providers to construct and service quarantine facilities across the country. Not, what have you heard about this? Well, of course I've heard about it. I've seen the documents, and they're public documents, and I talked about them at uh, a speech I made at Dundas and uh, uh, Young Street at uh, Dundas Square on the 17th of October. The, the military has procured uh, obscene amounts of riot tear gas. The federal government's procuring internment facilities, and two more things that are not so not so. Uh, broadcast, but the similar public tenders, the federal government is looking for crowd control officers for 2025, and they're looking, they advertised for 2030, they advertised for neighborhood drone surveillance officers, and reading between the lines, they plan to survey neighborhoods, I don't know how big they they, they they are projecting them with drones, and they're going to have monitoring officers monitoring the activities of neighborhoods. And I asked Mr. Trudeau publicly at that speech, what do you got planned? Why are, the, why are these job postings already advertised? Crowd control? Drone monitoring officers? Really? For what? Yes. To chase the virus? The, uh, the- the riot control agent, I believe, was uh, 36,000 units of tear gas. Right. That could also uh, that could also be seen, or unless they've taken it down, I don't know, but that was up at buyandsell.gc.ca. Right. All right, uh, Rocco, we're heading into another break here. This was a short segment. We'll come back. Uh, one final segment before the top of the hour. Second hour, Rocco Galati stays with us. Back with more on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. All right, uh, welcome back. We have uh, temporarily lost the connection with the studio, and uh, I am now on the phone, so we'll try and reconnect with the studio and get me back on a, on a proper microphone. But uh, in the meantime, Rocco Galati stays with us, and um, uh, we were talking about these um, quarantine camps. So... I mean, I've read about. I've read in the newspaper that they, uh, you know, people like Brian Lilly uh, from Sun uh, Sun News has said this is not true. It's not. It's not happening. Um, how do you respond to people in the in the news who say oh, this is just a silly conspiracy theory? Well, it's a government. It's a government tendering bid, for God's sakes. It's published on a, a government website, calling for bids to build these things or house uh, or 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 or. or or, or provide the infrastructure for these internment facilities. John Tory had a, 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 a proud, gleeful press conference when Trudeau gave him $14 million six weeks ago to build what? An isolation center. Well, what the hell is that? 
Right. Now, these are voluntary uh, at the moment. People who can, who, who supposedly who cannot social distance if they have, let's say, someone who... That's a load of both. They're not voluntary in New Zealand and Australia. Give us the, uh, the website for, the, uh, for your organization, if you could, Rocco. Well, it's the Constitutional Rights Center, which is uh, Constitutional Rights, plural, and center is spelled the Canadian way, R-E, dot C-A, Constitutional Rights Center, dot C-A. Uh, I also announced on October 17th I've, uh, I've hooked up, uh, I've hooked up uh, with a career journalist uh, and uh, we're establishing uh, an alternative media uh, platform called uh, uh, Wholehearted Media. Uh, because it's clear to me, I just want to join the chorus, it's clear to me that social media and mainstream media have become corporatized in the Mussolini sense when Mussolini defined fascism as corporate rule, governance. He, he defined it as corporate governance. And so we're going to, uh, I'm, I'm in the midst of uh, trying to hook up a network of independent uh media platforms that are that are hooked up without the use of these major servers who can take you down anytime they want. And so I've hooked up with uh, 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 Rajwinder Kabli, who's a very intelligent, very capable, and very insightful uh, journalist and uh, brings a lot to the table. I don't know how much I bring to the table, but I, I'm, I'm completely fed up with the, with the, the BS that we're being. This to me is is one of the more frightening aspects of all this is the way that the 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 journalists in this country, the media, have basically uh, joined ranks with the government. It's become journalism by press release, by government press release. Right. And, and they have abdicated one of their fundamental responsibilities, which is to afflict the powerful. Right. And to, well, I to, call, to bring comfort I, to the afflicted. I call them graduates of the Joseph Goebbels School of Journalism at this point. Right? And But right. you can see how that happens, right, Richard? You know, Bill Gates is floating $20 million to, 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 to most medium-sized uh, 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 media. The Trudeau, uh, in addition, I mean, the federal government fully funds CBC, but when Trudeau came into power, he's floating four or $500 million to eat each of the private major media. So, I mean, they're right. bought off. They're completely bought off. And then you can see that even if you have some integrity as a journalist, you're afraid for your job. And this is why a lot of the Canadian doctors are not speaking up as opposed to American doctors where medicine in America is a business in the absence of universal health care. Doctors, if they lose their, their OHIP privilege or their billing privilege, are out of a job. And so it comes down to people not wanting to lose their comfort. Let me share something with you. You know, I'm a lawyer, right? And most of my friends who are lawyers, uh, virtually with the exception of one who's a co-director at the Constitutional Rights Center, have not read my statement of claim. And when I press them on it, first answer is typically, well, it's too long. I said, it's 191 pages, double-spaced. Have you never read a book? Right? And of course, they're offended by that comment. And then after a while, I realized, Richard, that they haven't read it because they know me as a lawyer. They know the kinds of cases I win, no matter how unlikely. And they know if I've 
drafted that statement of claim. There's going to be a lot of fact and reality in it. And you know what? They don't want to face that reality because they're okay with their privileged elite lifestyle. Has the has the uh, the bar association uh, tried to pressure you um, the bar, in, no. with regards to this case? No, no. To their credit, that may be coming. I don't know. I don't know how they could pressure me. I can prove. I mean, there's nothing in the statement of claim that doesn't come from the horse's mouth. You know, everything we plead comes out of the the, the words of the, the World Economic Forum, the Gavi, Bill Gates himself, right? And we're ple- we're pleading facts. We're ple- we're pleading scientific facts, medical facts, most of which are indisputable. You know, and the what only you- thing that's disputing them is the propaganda that's going out there. Let me ask you, uh, without getting you know too political here, with the U.S. election coming up, do you think that if President Trump uh, is reelected November the third, or whenever they end up counting all these mail-in votes, let's say November the tenth or whatever, uh, that that will significantly change? Um, you know, if if COVID is being politicized and is being weaponized for whatever purpose, being used as cover, do you think that that a Trump election or a victory will change that at all? Well, it all depends. I mean, he himself stated that he may not be around. He hinted he may be assassinated. I don't know if you caught that a, few month, a month and a half, two months ago. Yes, he was referring to Big Pharma right. uh, when well, he was lowering he, vaccine prices. Or he could, could have been referring to any, any segment of True. the military-industrial complex. But at any rate, assuming he gets elected... And, and and survives, uh, then he could be, you know, he could be, he, he could be a factor that slows this down. But what is going to slow this insanity down in America? And not every country, but in America and some parts of Canada, unfortunately, and I sh- shudder to think at the eventuality, is the fact that Americans are armed. There are 4.4 million registered and organized militiamen in the states and there's no way the americans are going to put up with some of the uh, some of the uh, suggestions that have been proposed you know when you got 20% of americans and now we're up to about 20% of canadians who are adamantly saying there is no way they're going to take a vaccine if it's mandatory because they have various concerns about the speed at which it's being developed and they've opened their eyes to what's going on 20, 20% of the American population is 70 million people. It's a lot of people with guns. What kind of response are you receiving from Canadians across the country? Virtually, virtually on, my, on my platforms, I have a YouTube channel, and on my website, literally uh, 99.9% supportive. And tell me about the YouTube channel. How can people watch that? Well, they go on to my website, and I've, I've only posted about 11, 11 uh, uh, of my own produced uh, uh, videos, but I have a media page that has dozens and dozens of videos from interviews and coverage of our case. So they go to the website, and they can go to the media page. My media page also reproduces all my YouTube videos in the event that YouTube takes them down, so I have them stored in the hard drive. And again, that's constitutionalrightscenter.ca, constitutionalrights, plural, center, 
the Canadian spelling, C-E-N-T-R-E dot C-A. Yeah, and my tw- and the Twitter handle, the Twitter handle, I'm the only social media I'm on is Twitter, and the Twitter handle for the center is at Rocco Galati Law, R-O-C-C-O-G-A-L-A-T-I Law, L-A-W. All right, Rocco, we're heading into another break. Top of the hour on the other side. You'll stay with us and we'll open up the phone lines, questions and comments. My name is Richard Serrett. Please stay with us.